0: Please pray with me as we look at God's Word together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that we can speak to you that way, that we can call on you as our Father. And we pray this morning as we reflect on uh, what it is to know you, uh, what it is to enjoy you as our Father, we pray that yeah, your Spirit would stir us to, to see clearly what uh, what's being said in your Word, uh, to believe it. Uh, we pray that we would also be moved to rejoice in it. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's week three of our series, Enjoying God. Uh, it's, you never know who's going to turn up each week, so we've all got uh, different lockdowns happening and all, all of that. But uh, welcome back if you've been away for a while. Uh, welcome, this is your first week with us. But it's week three of this series, uh, four-week series we've been doing. Last week, we thought about what it was to enjoy God the Son. This week, we're thinking about enjoying God uh, our Father. Uh, what does it mean to, in, to know and to enjoy God as our Heavenly Father? What does it mean to know and enjoy God as His children? Um, and as we start this, as we start to think about this this morning, I think it's important to recognize, just from the, from the get-go, right up front, that how much our own experience shapes and colors the way we come to this topic. Uh, probably more than any of the others. Um, because all of us are children, and all of us um, have a father, an earthly father of some, uh, some kind. And, and so for me, um, I, I'll put a photo of my dad up there. Is he up there? There he is. You can kind of see him. it's from a few years ago. Uh, he's still with us, still alive. Uh, he's a farmer. As you can see, he likes to ride motorbikes, do that kind of thing. Um, my experience of, of my dad is, is really positive. He's, he's, been a, he's been a wonderful father to me. Uh, We're Not perfect, um, he's been listening to these talks actually, so I've got to make sure I say the right things, uh, but not perfect, no human relationship uh, is, is it? Uh, but he is a wonderful uh, dad, he's taught me, he's guided me, he's loved me uh, through difficult times, we've had lots of fun together as well, and I'm really thankful for him. And so as I think about this idea of God as my heavenly father, and enjoying him, and I, this, this whole topic, it speaks to me of security, of safety, of, of love and, and warmth, those kinds of things. I mean, I'm sure that's many of us. That's been our own experience of our fathers. Uh, but it won't be everyone, will it? It won't be all of us who've, who that's how we come at this topic of fatherhood. No, for some of us, to differing degrees perhaps, have had far more difficult relationships uh, with our fathers or perhaps no relationship at all. Uh, Perhaps for you, you never knew your father. Uh, Perhaps uh, you knew him, but he he passed away, uh, maybe quite young. Uh, Perhaps you knew him, but he was largely absent from your life. He he was an absent father. Uh, Maybe he wasn't absent physically, maybe he was around the house, but he wasn't present emotionally for you. Um, Or perhaps he was a father who actually did you harm, or did your family harm. Now, if that's you, then this topic of thinking about God as your father is going to be far more difficult, isn't it? Um, There's going to be all these ideas that you bring into it. Rather than thinking about a father who might... uh, these ideas of warmth and security and intimacy. No, for you, the idea of fatherhood is... it brings up emotions of fear, perhaps hurt, pain. Now, my hope for us this morning is that we are all able to look afresh at this idea of God being our Heavenly Father. And look afresh at, at, uh, at it and embrace this idea. Um, because what I want us to see is that God as our, God, is a radically different Father to our own. Um, even the best of human fathers are but, I don't know, a shadow of the kind of Heavenly Father God is. And the worst of our fathers, well... What we see in this Heavenly Father is one who is able to overcome and deal with their failures. So hopefully it's helpful for all of us. Now to think about this, um, we're going to be going to base ourselves in Matthew uh, chapters 5 through 7. I didn't get uh, Helen to read all of that section, just a few, few bits. In um, what's known as the Sermon on the Mount. I'm sure you're familiar uh, with Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Here Jesus is teaching his disciples about what life in his kingdom is all about. And what fascinates me in this section is, as he does this, as he talks about life in God's kingdom, he keeps talking about God as our Father. I mean, in fact, 17 times in three chapters, he speaks this way. Now, we're not going to look at all of those. We're just going to drill in on three sections and think about what does, what does this tell us about To life with God as our Father? What does it tell us about enjoying God as our Heavenly Father? And we're going to start in a bit that we didn't actually read, uh, in the middle, in chapter 6. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to chapter 6, where Jesus teaches about prayer. Um, Very famous section. Um, But what I want us to take hold of in this part is the intimacy that we share with our Heavenly Father. Have a look what Jesus says. Chapter 6, verse 9, he says to his disciples... This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, famous, famous words, aren't they? Um, I'm sure we've uh, recited uh, a version of those many times. Maybe, maybe at school, at school, or growing up. Uh, the assembly, we would recite these words every week, actually. Um, believe it or not, federal parliament still recites these words before the start of sitting each, um, each uh, sitting week. Um, but, uh, but one of the problems with the fact that these are so familiar is that we can lose the impact of what Jesus is teaching. Uh, because what Jesus is teaching here is revolutionary. It's actually revolutionary. Because while there's a handful of references to God as Father in the Old Testament... very occasionally he's referred to that way, a Jew in Jesus' day would never have dared speak directly to God like this. They would never have spoken to him as their father, not personally like this. No, if you look back at the Old Testament, they'd emphasize um, rightly his, his transcendence, his power, his holiness... But they wouldn't speak this way. So let me just show you a couple of examples of of some famous prayers from the Old Testament and listen to how they address God. So the first is Daniel's prayer in chapter 9 of Daniel, where he says, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God. I'll show you another one king solomon's prayer dedicating the the temple in uh, 1 kings chapter 8 where he says uh, where he speaks to god on behalf of the nation lord the god of israel there is no god like you in heaven above or on earth below well then there's nehemiah leading the nation in a prayer of confession where he begins his prayer addressing god blessed be your glorious name and may it be exalted above all blessing and praise. Now these are right ways to address God. They're grand ways. They're reverent ways to address God. Completely appropriate. But there's a gap, isn't there? There's there's not the intimacy and the personalness that Jesus speaks about here. Now what Jesus says here blows that out of the water. Yes, he encourages us to speak to our Father, to God with reverence. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. But he also invites us to relate to God more intimately as our Heavenly Father. Isn't that wonderful? It gets even better though. It's not just a personal and intimate invitation that Jesus is inviting us to. He's actually inviting us to address our Heavenly Father as he does. Um, if you if you remember back to the start of our series, we, we've seen already, isn't it? Jesus is the true Son of the Father. He is the one who was with His Father before the foundation of the world. The one who the Father loved and delighted in. He is the one who truly has the right to call on God as Father. But here He teaches us to pray, and invites us to do the same. What an amazing thing that is! Just as he has access to his father, so do we. You might want to imagine, I don't know, a a, a foster child who's just been, you know, foster children, they go around from family to family and they've come to a new family. And, uh, you know, they're nervous, they're worried, they're sitting there having dinner the first day, first night, and the dad in the house speaks to them and and they address them really nervously as sir or something like that. And uh, one of the other kids just leans over and says... Just call him dad. It's kind of that idea that Jesus is saying here. You can pray to God as I do. Here's how Jim Packer, the author of Knowing God, puts it. He says, Jesus wants his disciples to know that as God's adopted children, the same is true of them. The Father is always accessible to his children and is never too preoccupied to listen to what they have to say. Wonderful, isn't it? Here's a question for us. What difference would taking hold of this truth, the reality that this is who we can address God as, this is the relationship we share with God as our Heavenly Father, how would taking hold of that change your experience of God? Change how you relate to God, change how you enjoy God? Let me, let me make a couple of suggestions for you. Uh, One thing it would do, if we took hold of this, it personalizes our relationship, doesn't it? As those who've been reconciled by the blood of Jesus, brought into the family, we don't need to relate to God from a distance. No, we're part of the family. We have access to him. Take hold of that. Enjoy that. It's wonderful. Um, The other thing, though, I think it might uh, mean for us, if we took hold of this was it would make our relationship feel, with God feel secure. It is secure, but sometimes that's not our experience. Um, one of the tragedies, I think, of so many uh, Christians and their experience of God is that we relate to, our, to God as a, you know, as a boss or a master or some kind of harsh, I don't know, man who you know, we've got to always measure up to or something like that. We're always worried. We might get kicked out of the business, and we go around worried and anxious, am I, am I measuring up? Am I still worthy? Friends, because of Jesus, who's brought you into God's family, God is now your father. You can't get kicked out of the family. It's not how it works. You don't have to do all the right things to make him love you. No, he loves you because you are his child. And so you can actually, rather than living in fear and anxiety about your relationship with him... You can enjoy that relationship. Take hold of it. It's a wonderful truth about God to enjoy. Um, let's pick up on another thing that Jesus speaks about in the sermon. Um, flick forward. We'll, we'll have a look at the, uh, the second reading uh, Helen uh, had for us. Uh, chapter 7. I mean, what I want us to see here is the generosity of our Heavenly Father. Our heavenly Father is generous to His children. He's a good Father who wants what's best for us and wants to give those things to us. Have a look what Jesus says uh, from verse 9 in chapter 7. He says, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Verse 11, If you then, though you are evil, He's talking to all of us here know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Now, context is really important with these verses. Um, you, could, you could read this and think of God as some kind of, I don't know, cosmic vending machine up in the sky, you just got to press the right button, say the right words and, you know, these goodies fall out um you know oh i'd like i'd like to do better at school there you go oh i'd I'd like good health great i'll give that to you i'd like a new job whatever it might be you press the button and and out come the goodies you just got to ask for it that's that's not what jesus is saying here that's not what jesus is saying in the context this sermon the sermon on the mount is all about god's kingdom and it's all about pursuing the things of god's kingdom pursuing righteousness, pursuing salvation, pursuing knowing God himself. And so in the context of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus's point is not just that God gives us whatever we ask whenever we ask it. His point is, as we ask for the good things of God's kingdom, God's desire is to give give them generously to us. That's that's what he's speaking of here. Um, To drive it home, if you look there in verse 11, uh, he, he talks about how even bad parents or you know, every every parent does this with their kid. They know how to give their kids uh, good gifts rather than bad gifts. Uh, gifts. Um, well, at least normally, if you talk to my, my wife, Katie, um, after late start, she will tell you the infamous puppy surprise story um, of, of one Christmas when she was growing up. Well, does everybody know what a puppy surprise is? I think I've got a picture on the screen. There you go, one of these. They're still around today, apparently, but they're they're, they're these uh, dogs that have these puppies inside them. And here's the surprise. You don't know how many little baby puppies you're going to get. So you might get one, you might get three, you might get ten, I don't know. So surprise. And Katie just really wanted one of these puppy surprises. And, you know, she'd been begging for it all year. And anyway, Christmas morning arrived, and there under the tree is something that looks very much like it could be a puppy surprise. She's very excited, so she opened it up, you know. And uh, she opened it up, and what did she find? Uh, Well, not a puppy surprise, but the El Cheapo kind of Aldi version, the the kitty surprise, which kind of had these Siamese-looking kittens that freaked her out. Um, (laughs) Surprise! Um, (laughs) Eventually, actually, her parents, she was so upset that her parents went back to the shops and bought her a proper puppy surprise. Um, So sometimes parents don't give good gifts to their children, but normally that's not, you know, normal operating procedure jesus is saying here is that even bad parents even evil parents know how to give good gifts and the big thing he's trying to say is if that's the case with with them how much more so with our heavenly father our good heavenly father our generous heavenly father who knows what's best for us he knows what we need and he has the power to give it to us he doesn't withhold no as we come and ask him for, what, for these things, he delights in lavishing them upon us. Let me ask you that same question I just asked a moment ago. What difference would taking hold of your Heavenly Father's generosity make to your experience of, of knowing him, of relating to him, of enjoying him? I think if we believe this, we would lean right into his generosity, wouldn't we? We, we? we would pray. We'd come to him regularly and expectantly asking for the good gifts he wants to give us. We would pray bold prayers, pursuing things of his kingdom, and we would expect him to answer. Um, I, I sometimes wonder if one of the reasons my prayer life can feel so small, I don't know if anybody feels like that. Sometimes your prayer life feels pretty pretty hopeless i wonder if it's because i have too small a view of my father's generosity if we understood god's desire to bless his people with with these good gifts he speaks about we would actually come to him and here's the the next thing it would mean as we do that we'd probably be more grateful when he gives us things I think one of our problems is, is because we don't ask for things, even when God, our Father gives them to us, we don't actually notice, do we? And we're not grateful to him. We just kind of accept them. But if, we're, if, if we were praying big prayers, expecting God to answer them, knowing that he's generous, we'd actually pay attention to when he does answer them. And we give him thanks for it. I mean, the last thing I think taking hold of this would mean is that it would make us more content. Uh, Because we would know that God is generous. He wants what's best for us. He will give us what's best for us. And so when he doesn't answer the prayers we we think we need, when he doesn't give us the things that we want, we know he's not withholding something good. No, he's, he's generous. He wouldn't do that. It's just that we don't understand that he is wiser than us and he knows what we need. And so we would be content and we would trust him more as we take hold of his generosity. God is a generous father. He delights in showing us generosity. It's something to enjoy, isn't it? Take hold of that. All right, let's take a look at one more thing in these chapters um, about enjoying God as father. Um, And this one's back at the start. So chapter 5, turn back there. Um, We read read this section before. And this is a little bit different to the first, first one. So we've had our father's intimacy we've had his generosity here i want to think about his character his character and in particular his love now read with me what jesus says from chapter 5 and verse 33 chapter 5 verse 33 he says you've heard that it was said love your neighbor and hate your enemy but i tell you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you And notice verse 45, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. He goes on, makes a similar point from verse 46. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? And not even the tax collectors doing that. And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore. As your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, the challenging verses aren't there. Jesus here is calling us to love, and not just love the people we like, to love our enemies, those who, who persecute us, those who are not like us, those who don't love us. But the key thing to notice today is why he's calling us to that. The reason. And the reason he tells us in verse 45 and verse 48 is because that's what our heavenly Father does. That's what our heavenly Father is like. We are to love because it reflects our Father in heaven. It's to be like Father, like Son. Um, Now, to highlight this, Jesus talks about um, the the, the blessings of the weather, doesn't he? he? And he speaks about the sun and the rain and how God is kind of indiscriminate in who he shows his love to in those ways. So, so he talks about, about the sun there uh, in verse 45. Uh, and the point is, you know, if you go down to the beach on the weekend, I don't know if anyone went to the beach yesterday. It wasn't a great day for the beach. Um, but if the sun's shining, it's not just the righteous and the good people who are down there having to put on their sunscreen, is it? Um, no. It's, it's, you know, it's not just the, you know, the, the, the people who love God who've got the cool cabanas out and got the, sun, the, the sunnies on. No, it's Everyone good and evil, righteous and unrighteous. God causes the sun to shine on both. Same with the rain. It was raining yesterday. If you're driving around in, in, in the rain and the rain starts coming down, it's not just the people with the fish stickers on the back of their cars who've got their wipers going. No, God sends the blessing of the rain on everyone, whether they love him or not, whether they're righteous or unrighteous, good or evil. The, the phrase theologians will use to talk about this idea of God's love is common grace. God shows, shows a grace, a love, which is common to all, irregardless of who they are, irregardless of who, who they are. Now, that doesn't mean that he saves everyone. Not everybody experiences his love in salvation. It's certainly only those who trust his son Jesus who enjoy his grace in that way. But God lavishes his love on all people in so many ways all the time, doesn't he? That is his character. That's what he's like. And what Jesus is saying is because that's what your father is like, that's what we as his children are to be like too. That's what we're to be like. To know God as our father is to embrace his character. It's to be like him. It's to love as he does. Now, I'll be honest with you, that's pretty challenging. Because there's some people who are just jolly hard to love. Um, you know public transport you know those people who and they talk really loudly on the phone I find them really hard to love Uh, for me it's people when I'm driving there's a lot of hard people to love out there on the roads my goodness last year I just dropped off the kids to school and um, I was driving up Parkwood Boulevard right it's a 60 kilometer suburban road one lane and um I was probably going 63 kilometres per hour, so I was breaking the speed limit. I'll confess that right now. A car comes out of nowhere right up behind me, tailgates me, flashes his lights, beeps his horn, and then overtakes me on the left-hand side of, of the car, you know where, where the, you know, where the people have got their cars parked. I was struggling to love that person in that moment. Right, There's some people who are jolly hard to love. Uh, more seriously, though, there's... There's the so-called friend whose harsh words have wounded you. There's the spouse who broke your trust. There's the work colleague who just seems to have it in for you. There's the Christian brother or sister who let you down, and surely they knew better. Jesus' call here is that whoever they are, we love them. We pray for them. Why? Why? because that's what our heavenly father does that's what he's like and as his children we're to be like him let me ask the same question one more time what would taking hold of this truth about our heavenly father do for your relationship with him what would it look like to enjoy your heavenly father and and these things about him well i think there's some wonderful things it might mean One of the things it might mean is that it will remind you that the heart of God is a father who loves those who don't deserve it. Now, we know that. Because as Christians, that's what we've experienced in Jesus, isn't it? A father who loved those who don't deserve it. Romans 5, what does that say? God demonstrates his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. As we take hold of the Father's character, this God who loves those who don't love him, we're reminded of our own experience of his character. How though you and I were unlovely, he loved us. And that's something to enjoy. Uh, But more than that, the other thing that I think taking hold of the Father's character does is it teaches us that to enjoy him is not just about experiencing his character for ourselves... I think enjoying him is actually about delighting in that character and being like him to others. Now, again, that shouldn't surprise us, should it? Because if you remember back right to the start of the series, when we looked at Jesus and his delight in his heavenly Father, what was his delight? Well, it was his delight in the fear of the Lord, in pleasing him, in following his ways. Uh, In fact, in loving his enemies, ultimately for Jesus, as he gave his life on the cross. That's what the Son of God, that's what his delight in his Father looked like. That's what his joy was. I think it's the same for us, isn't it? We enjoy God as we embrace the Father's character and delight in being like him to others. What a wonderful God. Who is there like our God? A heavenly Father like this. And you'll be pleased to know I don't have any uh, specific homework this week. Whew. Uh, instead, I do have something. It's a choose-your-own-adventure this week. All right? were choose-your-own-adventure. Uh, we've seen three things about our Heavenly Father. His, his intimacy, uh, his, his generosity, his character. The task this week, if you choose, is to pick one of those and reflect deeply on enjoying that. Be intentional enjoying that about your Heavenly Father this week. I don't care which one it is. For me, I'm going to go with his character and his love for those who don't love him. I think I need to dwell a bit more on that. Uh, but it might be something different for you. So what I might do, I might just give you a couple of seconds now just to reflect which of, which of these things stands out. Which of these things do you need to enjoy more about your heavenly father? And uh, then I'm going to lead us in prayer. All right? So I'll just give you a couple of moments just to reflect. Is it his intimacy, his generosity, or his character? Let me close in prayer and ask that God would enable us to enjoy him uh, this week and beyond. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that we have access to you to speak to you. And we praise you for the kind of Father that you are. Thank you that we can know you personally. Thank you that you're so generous with us. Thank you that you love the unlovely. And that you've shown that to each of us in in what you've done at the cross through your son. Father, I pray that you'd help each of us to enjoy who you are, to delight in who you are, to rejoice in who you are. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.